It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thank you for joining us for a Thursday edition, also known as the question and answer edition, which is something we look very forward to, uh, very thought-provoking questions, and there are no shortage um, of questions in a whole realm of areas, um, politics and sports and law and crime. There's maybe more questions than there are answers, so thank you for sending them and keep them coming and with that, we will turn things over to the mistress of ceremonies. Hey, Trey, how are you? I'm doing great. I hope you are. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And I second what you said. I always look forward to hearing what's on people's minds and seeing how you answer their questions. If you're like me, you are looking more forward to hearing the questions than you are the <laughs> answer. But thank you. Of course. Well, there's a lot to look forward to. I know Coach Beamer was on the podcast Tuesday, so that must mean football is getting even closer. It is getting closer. It's uh, really two weeks from Saturday is when the season begins. I guess the first game Notre Dame plays Navy in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are a couple of games that night that um, I'll probably – pay attention to and then you know everyone kind of kicks off the the next weekend which i guess is uh labor day weekend so yep i if i can hang on two more weeks then i will make it to another college football season mm-hmm. well we definitely have lots to look forward to with that and i guess on that note we better get started with our questions like you said we have a great range of questions today and we appreciate y'all for sending them and for tuning in We certainly wouldn't have Thursdays without y'all and your questions. So we'll start with a legal question, and it's from Dave in Louisiana. He writes, can the state attorney general's office charge on Biden family crimes that were committed in their jurisdiction? Uh, Dave from the great state of Louisiana, yes, Um, except for the president himself, of course, uh, because the current thinking not just current thinking, DOJ guidance on this issue is that a sitting president cannot. Actually, I think the guidance is a sitting president cannot be forced to stand trial. Uh, Technically, I suppose you could be indicted with the trial and definitely postponed until after you're no longer president. But then it gets kind of complicated because you got issues of bond and conditions of bond and violations of bond. So let's just stick with this general theme that the president himself or herself cannot be charged with a crime while he or she is the president. Others can be, which is sort of the point, I think, being made um, by folks on the right right now. But it could just as easily be folks on the left that. This game of indicting your political rivals, that can be played by both sides. Um, I could rattle off the names of of multiple Republican attorneys general right now 
I mean, you have to have a crime. You have to have jurisdiction. But uh, former President Trump has already been indicted in the state of New York. He may very well be indicted, not by an attorney general, but by a district attorney, by, by just a, a local prosecutor in Georgia. You may recall he may have been the Speaker of the House when a guy named Tom DeLay was indicted by, I want to say, a district attorney in Austin, Texas. So, yes, if you have jurisdiction, if you meet the elements of the offense, if the grand jury issues a true bill, yes, state prosecutors uh, can go forward, but not on the president himself or herself Um, I do not believe. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Dave, for that question. Our next question is from John in Florida. He writes, why are all the congressional hearings about Hunter Biden's business associates and financial dealings held behind closed doors? Well, John, um, I can certainly see why you might think that. But in fairness, many of these hearings have been public. Uh, Judiciary, um, which is a committee chaired by Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio, and Oversight, which is a committee chaired by James Comer from Kentucky, and maybe even the House Intelligence Committee, which is chaired by uh, Michael Turner from Ohio, have had public hearings. I think, John, what you probably are making reference to are these transcribed interviews or depositions that are most definitely done in private. Well, I say they're done in private. They're not done in a committee hearing environment, and here's why. Um, In fact, I think, I don't remember who I had on my show. Oh, Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson from the state of Louisiana. Mike's a lawyer. We were on the Judiciary Committee together. Mm -hmm. And I asked Mike, would you rather have five minutes or five hours? Every lawyer is going to tell you that he or she would rather have five hours. Every one of them. That's actually serious about getting to the bottom of something. Mm. I mean, honestly, can you imagine being in court, any case of significance at all? And the rule is you only get five minutes with that witness. I mean, even if it's like a slip and fall case with no injuries, even if it's like a minor traffic accident with no injuries. You need more than five minutes with a witness. So -hmm. congressional hearings, you only get five minutes. So that's why they do these transcribed interviews, depositions. Those are done. I'm reluctant to say they're done in private because there are a lot of people in the room when these things are done. There are no cameras. There are no reporters. So why would we not have reporters in the room? Well, Um, When you are going to take five hours to do something, you probably need to be there all five hours or else you're not going to get everything. You may not even get most things and you may miss what's most important. So unless the media is going to commit to be there for the whole time, then the best you're going to get is whatever that particular reporter thinks was important for the couple of minutes he or she was in the room, um, which I, uh, it's not just reporters. 
Um, I have seen members of Congress that were not part of the transcribed interviews or depositions stick their head in and then go out and talk to a group of reporters as if he, in this case, it was a he, um, as if he was somehow part of the interrogation, which he was not. So you're going to get much more information in a deposition or transcribed interview. Um, those depositions and transcribed interviews ultimately do become public. You can read the transcript. But right now, I think what you have with Hunter Biden is, is enough public hearings to keep the public interested and enough private hearings or transcribed interviews, depositions, untimed interviews to actually kind of work your way towards the truth. And it's, it's a shame that you have to choose between doing things in public or getting most of the information. But I'm, I'm sorry, I cannot think of a, I cannot think of a system less calculated to give you the whole truth and nothing but the truth than the way congressional committees are run. Five minutes. That's it. I mean, that that that's my wife can't order in five minutes. <laughs> she can't order an appetizer in five minutes. Mm. And yet you, you, you get five minutes with the attorney general for the for the United States. And that's all you get. There's a purpose for congressional hearings. It's usually to share what you've learned. But it is not to figure out what you don't know. That is not the purpose of a congressional hearing. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for that insight. And thank you, John, for the question. We're going to hold it right there. Be back right after this. Jason in the house, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Our next question is from Carol, and she writes, in your opinion, what is the most important thing that could be done to heal the divide in this country? Um, Carol, that's a great question. Um, there are a lot of things that could be done. I'd probably start with get to know someone who does not agree with you or whom you do not think agrees with you. I think, number one, you're going to be stunned at how much you actually have in common and other areas of life. I also think it'd be good to listen to people who have a different view. Um, I just got through listening to somebody for about 45 minutes that has a very different view on politics and our criminal justice system um, than, than what I have. So, I mean, I don't learn anything listening to people that don't know any more than I know. Mm. I don't really learn anything li listening to people who agree with me on everything. I mean, why would I not just walk in the backyard and talk to myself, which I do a lot of anyway, but if I'm just talking to people that don't know any more than I do. So people that don't, you know, maybe don't vote like us, don't worship the same way we worship, don't, you know, have different life experiences that if you want to find similarity, what we're going to find. So, so I'd pick somebody, you know, I sit there and think of members of Congress that I never voted the same ass, never voted the same ass. I mean, I would sit, sit by them on the floor during votes and they would put their card in and they would punch, you know, green or red. And I'd put my card in and punch the other color. And we would do that for hours and hours and hours. 
different politics, different districts, and yet we had 90% of life in common. 90% of life we agreed on. So it's a question of what we prioritize. And right now in our country, we prioritize division. I mean, if you want to go looking for division and conflict and disagreement, it's there. You don't have to look that hard for it. It's there. And people have figured out how to make a lot of money on fear and division and this us against them mentality. Unity is not nearly as lucrative. It's just not. I don't know what that says about us, about the human condition, but it's just not. But your question was about how to heal the divide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to tell Tim Scott this all the time. It is hard to hate someone you know. It, it, it is not hard to hate someone that you've never met, don't know anything about them, except, you know, what you think you may have heard or read. But, but you don't know. Never met them. So it is hard to hate someone or something you know, it's not hard to disagree with them. I, I just got off the phone with somebody that I disagree with. And I'm going to take the call the next time she calls me. And the time after that, and the time after that, until the day I die. So number one, talk to people like that have a different perspective from what we have. Grace. Practice grace. Forgiveness. I mean, I find it stunning. I've seen it happen. Crime victims, victims of horrific, horrific crimes have forgiven the perpetrator, forgiven the person, almost always a man, that killed their loved one. Mm. And yet we got people that can't even sit down and enjoy Thanksgiving or Christmas meal because of politics. I, 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 just, I just find that stunning that we can't make it through an hour by just talking about something else. Look, at these dinners I go to, too, look, people do want to bring up politics. Number one, it takes two people to argue. You can't do it by yourself. So, you know, just don't engage. The other thing that I found shocking is just how little had changed at the end of that hour. Mm -hmm. So whatever they were arguing about, the tax code didn't change. Foreign policy didn't change. Whatever cultural issue they were upset about didn't change. The only thing that changed is one more holiday closer to the grave that we squandered. Mm. So what's the most important thing that you can do to heal the divide in this country? Prioritize, prioritize the relationship over the issue. That's what we can do, I think. But that's a great question, Carol. Mm -hmm. Great question and great advice, Trey. Thank you for answering that. And thank you for the question, Carol. Our last question is sports related from Carl in Connecticut. He writes, I was wondering if you have any golf superstitions or pre-golf routines that you always do to prepare. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Um, well, I try to wear pink every time I play golf. Something is pink. Sometimes everything on me is pink. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite colors, that and I guess lilac. Is that the is that the right way to I mean it's kind of a light purple? Is that that's mm -hmm. lilac, isn't it? That counts lavender, lilac. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I know what I like. I just don't know the name of what I like. So I try to wear that. 
Um, I guess because, yeah, I had three sisters growing up. I'm just used to those kind of colors. I mark my ball with uh, either a coin that my parents or my wife gave me. So I am pretty superstitious about the marking my ball on the green. I mark the golf ball itself the same way. It's not really a superstition. Um, like if you told me I had to do it differently tomorrow, it wouldn't like wig me out. I wouldn't go nuts. I use the same color tea. Um, so I only have one color. They're pink, pink and black teas in my pocket. I don't uh, celebrate in terms of superstition. Like if I hit a good shot or if I make a putt, I don't like do a fist pump. I don't yell. And that is superstition. I don't, I don't want to jinx. So I will yell if I hit a bad shot. I will say a very ugly things to myself about myself if I hit a bad shot. But no, I'm not like, I mean, yeah, I've seen some people with some really, really serious idiosyncrasies as it relates to golf. They either have to drive or they have to ride in the passenger or they, uh, you have to look up a certain number of times. I mean, it is, I was watching Brian Harmon when he won the open championship. Um, I remember that little fella when he was playing at a junior in a junior golf tournament at my club in Spartanburg called the Bobby mm-hmm. chap <laughs> and Brian Harmon played in that thing. I think the same year Kisner played in it, but it's not a superstition for him. But if you watched him in the open championship, the number of times he grips and regrips the club, and the number of times he looks up, you'd be in a psychiatric ward. <laughs> you just sit there and think, I mean, how can you do that that many times? Jose Maria Alatabal used to look up seven times before he would pull the club head back. So, I mean, is that a superstition? Is that an idiosyncrasy? Is that like a trigger? I don't know. Beyond like certain colors, beyond the way I mark my golf ball and what I mark it on the greens with. No, I don't have any superstitions, no pre-golf routines. My only post-golf routine is I will bring my clubs to the kitchen sink. It amazes my wife that I will bring the clubs over to the kitchen sink, even if she's in the middle of preparing supper, (laughs) even if she is using the sink. And I will stand there until she's done so I can clean my golf clubs. (laughs) I I do not like to let my clubs stay dirty. So I get a toothbrush and I clean them. And from time to time, she'll ask me, you know, we do have other sinks. (laughs) Would you like to go use like the sink in the laundry room, which we actually put in the laundry room so you and Watson can wash your clubs in there? That's why we put it in there. <laughs> and the answer is no. I would not like to use that sink. I want to use the kitchen sink as soon as you get through. And by the way, if you don't mind hurrying up, that'd be great because I got to wash my clothes. <laughs> so that's it. Thank you, Carl, for that. That was kind of, kind of like a therapy session for me to get that all out. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering that question. And hopefully the kitchen sink will continue to work for you. Well, I'm not going to use another one. So, I mean, I guess if Terry really wanted to, she could like use the sink in the laundry room to cook supper. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if option. she would like that. <laughs> well, that's an option. Or I guess she could say, you know what? You're on your own for supper. Good luck. <laughs> she would never say that. No, she wouldn't say that. Um, 
No, she's much too kind of, of a person. She might think it, but she wouldn't say it. <laughs> so, nope. I Hopefully, I'll be back playing golf here real, real soon. I have missed mm-hmm. it terribly. And, um, you know, I saw the guys I play against. Um, primarily, it's a little match I play. So, this guy's riding through the parking lot today. So, hopefully, I'll be back soon. I do definitely love it. And as I get older... And more idiosyncratic, you know, God willing, I will have more superstitions. And, um, and Carl, you can ask me about them in another 15 or 20 years. It may be like a list of 100 different things I have to do before I, I can even get out of the golf cart. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering the questions. And I was worried that I was going to have to answer that one. So I'm thankful that it was you getting asked that, not me. Um, but thank you all for sending those questions. Worried that you were going to have to answer whether or not you had any golf superstitions. Yes. It said you. So I was like, Oh, I really hope that's Trey and not me. (laughs) Um, well, you're such a devoutly spiritual person. I don't know that you have any superstitions. Do you, I mean, you're, you would probably like pray for someone while they were getting ready to hit the shot. That might be your superstition. Right, or just sit in the golf cart and cheer you on, or whoever's playing. Right, and and whereas if I'm playing against them, I'm praying that they shank the ball. <laughs> oh no! So we're we're like praying entirely different things. You're praying that they'll be happy and good things will happen to them, and I'm <laughs> praying that they'll hit it in the water or shank it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, hopefully you'll be back on the course soon, and you won't be shaking any balls. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. And y'all keep the questions coming Mm -hmm. by the time, by the time we get together again, we'll be about 10 days from the start of college football. And, and I cannot wait for that. So, but I don't mean you got to ask me a question about college football. You can ask me. There are a lot of, there's a lot of crime stuff going on too. I had James Patterson on the Tuesday podcast. I had, uh, the author of, uh, of a true crime book out of Florida, which is a fascinating fact pattern. So mm-hmm. I love all the questions. Keep them coming. Y'all have a great week. Mary Langston, thank you as always for your help. Of course, anytime. And we'll see you next Thursday. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.